Yeah, I can hear you just fine. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. Dude, hello. That, that's our intro. Yeah, hello and welcome to this week's installment of Where's My Burrito. I'm your host, Christian. With my with me as always, my co-host, Mr. Max McCarty. That's me. Hey, Max, listen, dude. I'm listening. Depression nosedive. We got to pull up. We got to pull up. And let me got tell to. you, depression nosedive, bad enough. Mm. Then you wake up and Anthony Bourdain kills, him, kills himself. You're just like, well, look, if Anthony Bourdain traveling the fucking world, no reservations, hanging out with Barry Obama, he can't yeah. be happy. What fucking choice and chance do I have? I mean, I guess he just had no reservations about anything, including suicide, which is sad. But that, yeah, that, we're way too. Like, <laughs> I'm over here talking about some depression and a man who killed himself, and you make a no reservations pun, like some piece of shit. Like, I don't even like puns. I, I think they're the lowest form of humor. So I'm really disappointed in myself just on that level. Also, I wish you were like one of those monks from the Da Vinci Code who like has to fucking beat themselves every time that they you know wake up. What's that? Oh, called? the uh, self-flagellation. Self, uh, yeah, was that the Dude, Paul that. Bettany character? Yeah, the bets. The you bets. Know yeah, man. That, that poor guy, man. That I like to say guy. he's the best. You know, I just flipped the. You know, anyway. I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to be really honest with all me right, right now. It. Have you ever in your life once called him the best? I call him that all the time, dude, because he is often the best person in the room. He's all beautiful mind, right? Like he is the only reason I'm watching that movie. Yeah. It ain't. It ain't it's, Ron Howard. It ain't fucking. It, it ain't crazy. Rusty Crows. Huh? It ain't, <laughs> it's not Rusty Crows, man. Speaking of which, like I'm mad at you because you made me watch LA Confidential, and now I have like a new respect for Rusty Crows. Yeah, and I got to be worst. like, well, why, why? Man? <laughs> like, That's I could have, like, I could lived off the Le Miz fucking like fat singing shit he did, and instead yeah. you give me like a, a decent role, <laughs> man. It's kind of like uh, you know when you don't listen to a musician because you don't want to have an opinion about them, or you don't want to end up liking their stuff because just all you know about this particular person is that they're an asshole. Yeah. So you don't want to be like, yeah, they're an asshole, but you just want to be like they're an asshole and move on with their move on with your life. Kind of like me and Kanye. That's yeah. not, that's where I'm at with him. So you're never going to engage of any of the Kanye stuff. I'm huh? really trying hard not to, and I'm sure I'd love it. And that's the thing <laughs> is, good. I love enough things. Yeah. You know? Well, There's it makes you feel better. This this album sucks. I mean, I I didn't like this one, and he just dropped another one today. He did like all right. So with so Kid basically Cuddy? with Kid Cudi, right now. That one has Cody. two songs that are actually fucking fire, so respect, yeah. right? But his own solo shit was just not good. And here's the problem, man. Mm. I'm used to him acting crazy and then justifying it with a game-changing album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even the failures, I go back and listen to now, and I'm like, God damn, that was a good record, man. Like, it was just way too ahead of its time, you know? Like, he's got one called 808 and Heartbreaks, where does all the programming through an 808 drum machine so it's like really digital it's a really good fucking drum machine so he uses that and then it's all auto-tune and like love songs but like heartbreak songs and it sounds on paper awful and when it came out it was awful but you go you revisit it now and you're like it's surprisingly amazing he sets this atmosphere and keeps it through sustained throughout the whole album right so this dude's coming off three back to backs. All right. He's got my beautiful dark twisted fantasies. Brilliant fucking great album. Mm. He, this he's just my favorite fucking record. Maybe ever. Like it's so good. I don't even know how to explain how good it is. Then he does life of Pablo. It's fucking good. Then he's acting like a crazy motherfucker talking about slavery is a choice, all that shit. And I'm just expecting he's going to come out with the like hottest album of the decade. 
right? That's going to justify everything. That's going to officially bring all the haters. Even white supremacists would be like, he's a fucking genius. When he says slavery is a choice, I just want to backtrack. Does he mean that it's a choice in terms of like, you can either be a slave or die, but like, if you're choosing to continue live yeah. to live, then you're choosing to be a slave. Is that what he's saying? Basically. I mean, that's what the white supremacists that I know have been harping on. They've been right. saying that the whole time. Like they respect the ones who fell into the ocean because you know they made their choice. Wow, it's fucked I up. I can't. Yeah, I can't make that funny. That's terrible. Yeah, I'm not trying to make it funny. I didn't say. <laughs> like, did I not start the show with depression? I'm always. <laughs> I'm always looking for a punchline, my friend. Always, and I found none. Hmm. You know, it was like foraging for mushrooms, and you just you wind up with a bunch of dirt in your hands instead. Is don't mushrooms grow from shit though? Some of them. Not all of them. See, that's the thing. The propaganda against mushroom, right? Big mushrooms has told me my whole life that uh, they grow from shit, and that's the only way you find well, a mushroom. You know, I know that the the fun ones grow in, in shit, but I think <laughs> that the other ones can yeah. grow wherever. Because I remember ones. picking mushrooms out of you know my lawn and stuff, unless you know someone's dog was shitting in very random spots. Seems like it. Yeah, that might be what it was happening. Probable. Or like Toby. We had a couple that. neighbors who would like let their, their dogs just shit on anyone's lawn and then not pick it up. Yeah, and I respect them, honestly. You know? Like, uh, I, I was expecting you to like have my back in that situation because they're clearly wrong, but okay. Yeah, I don't Let's know. Let's go down this road. Why do you respect them? I don't know, because I'm going to immediately walk it back because now that I'm a homeowner, <laughs> like my neighbor's dog pees in my yard and I'm like, what the fuck, man? And that's just pee. That's just yeah. pee. But why are you ground selling my ground? <laughs> you know, why are you selling my fucking property value? Piss on your own goddamn grass. He never does yeah. it. So yeah. I'm going to walk it back immediately. I apologize. Well, I mean, you know, the peeing thing, it's just, it is unnecessary is my main problem with it. It's like, why not on your lawn? Why does it have to be on my lawn? Yeah. It's like if somebody walked by your yard every day and just spit on it and then looked at your front door and, <laughs> and it again. And, and then made sure away. and made yeah. eye contact. But like, I know that you know that I did this. Yeah. Shit, you know? And it's not like the spit is going to stay there for eternity. Like it's going to, you know, evaporate or whatever spit does dry yeah. over time. But, you know, it's just the, it's the act. <laughs> whatever spit does. <laughs> what does spit do? <laughs> like an investigative journalism. No, Where's never, my burrito? I've never thought about it until now. Yeah. I mean, I assume like most liquids, it's what you said. But I like to think that there's like a national treasure type conspiracy going on with all spit man <laughs> like what is spit up to you when you ain't looking at it i've never spit that came back and looked at that spit wait to make is sure that is that what national treasure is about like the declaration of independence when not observed is getting up to some shit it's like a toy story situation yes dude it's absolutely <laughs> a fucking toy story situation how many yeah. like important historical documents are there because there's got to be like a fucking community it, where's the magna what, carta at 12 at least 12 are there at like least 12 I'm covering myself there because I said at least. Do so. you think that like back in the day they signed treaties, right? Like Treaty of Paris. There's like a couple of Treaty of Paris's, right? Yeah. But like, do you think back in the day, dude, uh, you know, they, they they would keep all these things knowing that eventually treaties would be obsolete. Like when we sign treaties now, do we actually still like sign them and shit? Do you think we do like an e-signature instead? That's what I'm saying, bro. Like I can do this on my iPad. <laughs> like I don't got to be there, bro. That's a long flight. You're over there. I'm over here. Let's just simplify right. the process. But I, I mean, like you can go see the Declaration of Independence and then keep this in mind, right? Fuckers had to come from all their respective homes to get to Philly to sign that fucking thing. 
that was an event, man. That was a road trip. That wasn't yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah, like so, all those Southerners had to fucking, that was like a week's long journey back then, right? Yeah, man. It must have been really hard while they sat in the back of a super hot thing being pulled by fucking slaves. Not even horses, yeah. by the way. Not even horses. Why not? Because they could. That's the fucking problem with these Southern assholes, man. Yeah. And I know there were drafts of the Declaration of Independence, too. Like, that wasn't the first draft, obviously. So did they, like, do a draft and have everybody sign it? And then, like, all the Southerners would go all the way to Alabama or whatever, and they'd be like, we fucked you know, up. A, a month later, hey, uh, we need you to come back and uproot your entire family again. Uh, yeah. You might die on the journey. Uh, winter is coming. Um, yeah, I, I really... misspelled, uh, I had to weed the peoples and not peoples. I fucked <laughs> that, up. That's my bad. That's really not going to hold up later. Yeah, yeah. That, that will not hold up in a court of law. Not that any of this document does, but you know. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just saying like that was an event, right? And now if you think about like wars, right? We end great wars with these like treaties, right? And I mm-hmm. assume we got to get people in a room and we got to sign and everyone's got to be kosher with the the agreement and stuff like that. And I'm just saying now, like, does that shit happen at all? Like we signed shit. Like Trump is like, Ooh, look what I signed. You know, he does that shit all the time. Mm-hmm. That ain't real. That's more like, you know, when you give your he kid wants a- Mike Pence to hang it on his fridge, you know, it, it, literally it's when you give a kid some fucking crayons at the goddamn restaurant because you need him to tire himself out and not spill shit. Like that's, that's the equivalent of what's happening. Okay. <laughs> So I'm saying all this to be like, uh, does this not even exist anymore, man? We used to be uh, like about formalities, uh, man. We used to have principles. Uh, you know, I wonder if it's really about the handshake, you know, because I get what you're saying, but mm. I feel like the handshake is what clinches it. You know, the the whole yeah. this and that's like on, on plaques and, you know, seals and stuff is like the two hands. Well, you just give, give them your word and you shake your hand and that's official. Yeah, you spit in your hand, you cut it open, you do this, and uh, hope that the other person doesn't have a blood disease. What is like? Tr- <laughs> All right, so you actually open yourself up. Okay. I was yeah, gonna it's say. a it's a You're blood like, oath. I'm not going to sign anything, but you, you know, light the sacred candle. You <laughs> sacrifice, you know, a couple of crows or whatever. Yeah. Um, you make yourself a nice stew, and uh, do some chanting, light chanting, and then you you shake on it. Dude, what was that fucking guy's name from Jerry Maguire whose dad's like, I won't sign anything, but my word is as, as strong as oak. And then like five <laughs> minutes later, he signed something with the other guy. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Fucking Yeah, and then Jerry Maguire's <laughs> like, I thought your word was strong as oak. Except he's Tom Cruise, so he's trying way too hard to be intense. Yeah. Mm. Like always. Has he ever given a subtle performance? Maybe he has. Maybe I'm talking shit. He was, what's the one he did with uh, PTA? Magnolia? Is that it? I mean, that's not subtle. I wouldn't that call was that him subtle. screaming the entire time. <laughs> Born on the 4th of July, he's just screaming. I mean, I, I just what feel does he like have? Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson is really good at tapping into what makes an actor good and then taking it to the next level. Yeah. So, like, Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love is still an Adam Sandler type, just yeah. in an art house uh, environment. You know? uh, they just shined a light that everything, like, this this should be sad, you know, like the Adam Sandler movies, they always light it and like fill it with like colorful people. And you're like, Oh, this is just like funny life situation. No, it's horribly fucking depressing. This is a man child who can't process rage. Punch drunk love was actually a script that PTA did not even touch. He just (laughs) got that script. It's like, I'm going to direct it my way. And it turned into punch drunk. Like it was written by like the fucking Zucker brothers or some shit. The Farrelly brothers. Yeah, man. Something just like that. And you know, he just got his hands on it. Yeah. I really love him. He's like crazy. He's a crazy fucking surprisingly not dark guy. You know, he's married to Maya Rudolph. Yeah. 
Yeah, Which you know, I think it's amazing in and of itself because she's really funny, right? So yeah. I thought that they balanced each other out. Like he was a dark, brooding genius who like doesn't look at the sun. When when in reality she's the dark, brooding genius, I think and so. he's constantly cheering her up. Like, hey, look at this magic trick! <laughs> Don't you think there's some truth to that shit though? Like about like I think people who do comedy are way more fucked up than the people who can do drama. Like I'm really starting to believe that, and I think oh, Maya yeah. Rudolph is so funny that like horrible things happened in her life. Yeah, well, you know, like uh, Louis C.K., our good friend Louis C.K., who no one has any problems with. Um, he I'm gonna, said, I would like to <laughs> dis- distance myself from that statement quickly. Max, um, continue. He once said that people who are funny um, develop it, uh, a sense of humor first as a shield. That yeah. that's a way to protect themselves and to, you know, talk your way out of something or to deflect. Mm-hmm. And then that in turn becomes a sense of humor and you cultivate that over time, but it's really born out of an insecurity, um, which is interesting. And that has stuck with me. So it does make sense that, you know, the most, uh, you know, dark, bizarre, fucked up people are naturally really funny. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about Robin Williams earlier because they did that, uh, the trailer for that documentary that's coming out on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's a little bit different because even though he's depressed and he has all the, that fucking problems, he also had like a degenerative disease that would have rendered him like incapable of doing anything. So yeah. like, maybe that's the motivation for why he did what he did. But I'm talking about like, I don't know, man, I feel like in honor of uh, Anthony Bourdain, right? Like uh, dude killed himself. There's some other people I'm really or worried about. Kate Spade. Kate Spade. Yeah, seriously. Um, there's people I'm worried about, man. Like I've been worried about Jim Carrey for like 10 years. Like, I don't think that this ends well for him. I do not see him like growing into old age, man. Yeah. He doesn't seem like he's in a good place. He's been painting a lot though. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen all his paintings, and I think that they're fun. You know, yeah, they're they're festive. Good for him. He's in some bright colors. Yeah, um, way to process his mental illness. You know, that's really fun for him. Yeah, um, I wish I, I'm not even joking. Like I, I'm, I'm glad. No, I, I know you're not. Yeah. Outlet, did you, you know? did you see that fucking trailer I sent you? The the Michelle Gundry and Jim Carrey series that they're doing together. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I had it loaded up. But then Hell's Kitchen was on. Yeah, so and naturally, you got a priority. I had to find Priorities. out what happened at the end of the season. Uh, Ramsey yelled at some people, and somebody won. Right? Did I nail it? Did I nail it? Did I win? Well, Nailed it. Fuck you. Yeah. You're wasting your life, Max. Anyway, what was I saying here, man? Put me back in my place. Where was I going? Um, I mean, you just put me in my place, so like, well, I don't naturally. Know. <laughs> I'm still reeling. No, the the Michelle Gondry, you should be reeling. <laughs> you need to rethink every decision that led you to this moment, okay? No, but the Michelle Gondry show, right? So Eternal Sunshine, Jim Carrey. I mean, I think this is one of those agreed upon things, right? Like that is maybe the best performance we've gotten from Carrey. Truman mm-hmm. Show is really great. Man on the Moon, he does some good stuff too. Like he's capable of giving you these performances, which much yeah. like Adam Sandler makes you mad when he's just doing shit because yeah. you know he could do so much better. Uh, when you get a chance, watch this trailer, man, because it is uh, really intensely shot. It's got that like signature Michel Gondry like flair, um, but he's playing a guy who is clinically depressed. Like, do you know the synopsis of this at all? Isn't it like a Mister Rogers type on the outside whose life is falling apart? Behind Basically, yeah. yeah. And I and I feel like as soon as I heard that premise, I was like, okay, Michel Gondry's directing this. Okay, so it's gonna be his mind fucking melding those two worlds together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes like that dude less is more with him. Like he's got to be reined in a little bit. And I think that's what like 
Eternal Sunshine so great because it doesn't allow him to go too off the fucking rails with his his idiosyncrasy. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. I can't even fucking talk right now. Sorry. Um, but yeah, man. So the trailer itself is fucking emotional and he's just doing some monologue and it's beautiful and he looks old and he's talking about death and Catherine Keener's leaving him and it's just fucked up, man. I'm worried about him. This isn't the right show for him. It's the right show uh, for me in art, but it's not a good show for him right now. Well, um, I was going to tell you that apparently scientists have uh, found a way to um, eradicate memories in slugs, and they think that they can do the same for people. So no. we're going to have a real eternal sunshine of the spotless mind situation on our hands. You know what's really interesting about that is like that is a philosophical question. That was a hypothetical question that raised philosophical ideas, right? But yeah. now it's an actual fucking thing, and that changes the game. Do you know how yeah. many things I don't want to remember? Like, oh, my God. Like, I, no, we, we all have things we don't want to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. my point. But But – like you always say, that shit, the pain, you carry that shit with you and it makes you kind of who you are, right? That's the point. Right. If you take that away, not only are you taking that away, you're taking away every experience that you had since you were carrying that chip on your shoulder, so to speak. And then it's like, who are you even? If you're holding on to something for 20 years and they take that shit away, who the fuck are you, man? What motivates you? You know, maybe it's hubris to think that, uh, you know, grand notions of self and, you know, how we're all unique uh, even matters. You know, maybe we're meant to, you know, reprogram things and scra- scramble it around. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that could be fun. Reprogramming and scrambling? Yeah. That sounds like Anthem. Like, you're, you sound like <laughs> Ayn Rand talking about, like, the house of the undesirables. Like, that's what you're doing. I'm, right? I'm talking some shit. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. What I, My main question is, how do they know that they erased the memory for the slug? It's not like the slug could be like, I don't remember that anymore. That's true, right? That's the part of the headline that they're just trying to get you so fucking like your dick so hard, your science dick so hard about that shit that yeah. you don't even ask the basic question of how yeah, did they like, corroborate this? And why slugs? Of yeah. all the creatures. Yeah, mollusks. The most- they, they, they share so much with the human brain, obviously. Yeah, you pick the one that if it comes in contact with salt, it dies horribly. <laughs> Like a natural existing fucking thing in the world. I love salt so much. Like seriously, that's a weird thing to declare your love for. (laughs) It's great. I you know I think about it. It's really bad for you. Like salt, really bad, but it but it makes things taste so. Yeah, but so does sugar. That's the fucking point. Like sugar makes things taste better, and that's why you eat it. That's why you drink it. But if you're just going to be like, but salt makes things taste good, it's like, well, you're going to die. <laughs> like, how, cool. how, how much diabetes do you think was caused by the Mary Poppins? All of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, she has that song, you know, like a spoonful, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. That song did so not she's exist, equa- bro. She's equating health and sugar. And after I saw that scene, I got a spoonful of sugar and I just was like, doom, I'm healthy now. Yeah. And, and I felt real die. good like for about five sugar. minutes. You just and like then I crashed, <laughs> and then I got some more sugar. And I was like nine years old at this time. That was like my first experience of like building up a tolerance to something. Yeah, and like crashing and getting more of it to yeah. try to like offset the crash. There it was. Mary oh, Poppins man. ruined a civilization. Fucking I mean, I'm, I'm telling pusher. you the truth, man. I think that that disease did not exist before Mary Poppins at all. You ask me how much? Like, it, she's patient zero, man, or she's nurse zero, rather. Right. Fucking spoon feeding or fucking children, like bad information forever. Do you, do you Why think is that Big not- Sugar was like uh, an investor in Disney at that time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, they're still. 
Big Sugar, who runs Big Sugar is my main question. Bigger question, though. Why isn't London, like, actively revolting against Mary Poppins 2? Like, you know, like, they, they laid low for, like, 50 years. Mm. So no one would be too pissed off about them whole starting the whole disease thing. Yeah. But, and that got split into two. You got type 1, type 2 diabetes, right? Yeah. What's going to happen now, man? Super AIDS? What's she bringing this time? <laughs> like, a spoonful of Super AIDS, Max. She she's like that monster in Jeepers Creepers. Like every fifty years, she comes back and Got just wreaks havoc. Um, except this hopefully isn't directed by a fucking rapist. Uh, neither here nor there. Yeah. Wow. You brought this down. About well, we started down. <laughs> let's be honest. You know, don't put all that on me. But the the point is oh, no. that uh, Great Britain, um, you know, is going down the shitter anyway. They voted for Brexit. Mm-hmm. So uh, all bets are off. Maybe they'll welcome this new plague with open arms. It'd be like, yeah, give us that 28 d- uh, days later disease, Mary Poppins. Legit, man. I think that's what we need. I think we need another plague. <laughs> like, I'm not <laughs> saying this for any bad reason. I'm not saying this because I want people to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm saying this because we need a fucking extinction event to happen. Mm-hmm. We got to get some priorities, man. We got to get some perspective. We got to realize that, like, you know, we fucking things up. And the best way to do that is just to have, like, I don't know, 1.6 million people die. We keep coming back to, like, purge types. No, this is different. This is no violence. I just want, like, you know. But we're, we're, we're clearing the board a little bit. What's up with the Black Plague? Like, what, what did that end up, ended up being? Like, have we, we've, is that, is that the, the bubonic plague? It's the same thing? All right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right. Someone correct me. But if it's I, not, I assume yeah. because we got, like people didn't keep dying that we figured out some way to to cure that shit right okay so yeah this is interesting if my uh history class in high school is not okay. failing me oh this man, is yeah. actually no. something that like i remembered oh, um so back in the day they started blaming the jews as they did for all things for yeah. the plague because Naturally. they noticed in in larger numbers the jews were not getting sick and they're like, okay, clearly there's some Jewish witchcraft happening here. And, okay, to uh, be fair, and I don't want to defend anti-Semitism, this is the yeah. one time where I'm like, well, at least there's like a cause and effect. Like, I could right. understand it. All right, continue. Right. Sorry. Well, what was really going on is that the disease was transmitted through, you know, uh, transmission of body fluids and fecal matter and just basically poor hygiene. Like. Yeah. Rats coming off the shit ships and uh, shitting all over and the place, on the shit, yeah. and, and people not washing their hands. Jews back then uh, and probably today, I don't know a lot about Jewish customs, um, would wash their hands as a part of a religious rite, and they would wash their body. They would actually bathe, basically, yeah. as a part of their religion. And so that way, they weren't getting a disease transmitted as as easily. They weren't touching their hands and face and mouth with fucking shit covered disease plague covered hands yeah man the jews are really ahead of the curve because all of that shit is because of health reasons like it is like that's why they don't eat pork it's not because there's some any real religious reason against it it's because people were dying back in the day because they didn't know how to cook it like you know what i mean so now it's just like they're like it's worked it's worked for thousands of years (laughs) so they're not they're not gonna they're well, not gonna. They're not gonna risk it. And, I mean, and why the fucking, should they? The fucking dink Christians are like killing Jews left and right because they're like they're witches. Kill yeah. them all. We're all dying. Um, and in the meantime, they're trying every cure they can, throwing leeches on themselves, burning random pieces pieces of flesh. 
animal sacrifices, you name it, until one genius eventually decides to bathe himself in urine and uh, realizes sterile. that starts working. Oh, shit. Because he's bathing himself in something. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> then, then eventually they figured Anything. out, wait a minute, the Jews are also bathing themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't have killed so many Jewish people. Yeah. Whoopsie days. They try to walk it back. They bring over like a gift basket. We fucked up. I know. I'm sorry. A gift basket doesn't solve the problem, but yeah. I got another two gift baskets. All right, Jews? Are yeah. we cool? Are we square? Swish. And they walked yeah. away. And Everybody then everybody fine. lived to their average life expectancy of 32. Yeah. <laughs> it was a shit existence back then, man. <laughs> it really wasn't fun for like literally anyone. Yeah, man. The kings and queens, man. Like they, they probably were like not having a great. They didn't have indoor plumbing. They yeah. Didn't have AC. No, know? man. But they had like chamber pots, you know. So they were indoors. Yeah, they just like true. shit in a pot, and then they had someone, you know. Man, being a king, like I know that you could, but should you? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> like I feel like you're a king. You got to be regal, and you're like, hey, change my shit chamber. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, I feel like there, there's got to be some amount of embarrassment over that, right? But I guess they didn't have shame for that back then. Yeah. If you grew up your entire life shitting in a pot, and someone else was cleaning it up for you, you'd be like, that's normal. That's what just is, my shit guy. What is the plague? Because I think my shit guy. I got one. I got a guy for everything. All right, he's my shit guy. No. So hold on. My question is this: When is the bubonic plague? When is the black plague? Because it comes right before the Renaissance, right? Isn't that the whole point? I'm gonna look it up. Here's my here's my thing. I think I'm gonna connect history the only way I I know how to, which is I think that we went through the Dark Ages, right? And it's not the but people seem not to not get this, right? The Dark Ages aren't about. Like the sun didn't come out, although that would be metal. Okay. The dark ages were like when the church just destroyed all the fucking science that we already knew and like suppressed ideas for 500 years or so. Mm -hmm. So my point is like that happens and we learned so much because of the bubonic plague. Like that was the last throes of unintelligence, right? We're like, they didn't get to just fucking wash themselves was like a recipe for not being dead. (laughs) Like essentially. (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, That's just funny to me, man. Also, like uh, burying bodies six feet under that, like we learned that at the plague as well, because they wanted to make sure that if if the body was infected and they didn't want to spread it, it's going to be like at least six feet, man. And that's a custom that stuck all over the world because the British did it for like 10 years or some shit. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm reading about the plague right now. I didn't mean to like not hear you. But yeah. I was just appalled right now. Great. Ew. Also looking at plague pictures, real gross. Um wait, there's plague pictures? Um, of like comparable diseases where oh. there's like lesions on your skin and your fingernails rotting off and stuff. What are um, what are comparable? Uh I don't want to go back to those pictures to find out, man. It's gross. <laughs> trying to make me throw I gotta up know where to stay away from Max. I gotta know. Um, <laughs> fucking two thousand uh Jews were murdered. Oh. Um, just in oh. the city of Strasbourg, mm-hmm. uh, in France. That, oh, so, so that's how bad it got. Damn. And uh, a redaction on the whole rat thing. It was actually the fleas on the rats. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but they discovered yeah, that a while back. Yeah, you know. I, I just want to, you know, I want this podcast to be semi-accurate. I say a lot of You're things. not that cool. That's all oh. I'm saying. <laughs> You're putting out information that grade, grade schoolers know, man. Oh. God damn okay. you. Well. No. Listen, I'm sorry. I'm nosed. I'll bring it back up, and we'll keep talking about the mass murdering of of a species. <laughs> okay. 
No, I mean, uh, I, I just wonder how much, how many things we discovered. Like what I'm trying to point out to go back to my initial thing of we need another plague. Okay. Mm. It's like, what great discoveries will we have? Like back then there were scientific gains, right? We had to, to kind of be like, Oh, you got to bury bodies. You know, that's not good. Yeah. You have to bathe yourself, you know, yeah. and it seems like common sense now, but someone had to make those fucking baby steps. You right. know what I mean? So what would be the great self-discoveries now? And I'm just thinking that there's like, so there's probably more examples other than bathing yourself and burying bodies deeper, but like mm-hmm. there are things that came out of the fucking, what's that ring around the rosy the ring around the posy. What's that called? <laughs> what is the song? You got it right the first time. Did I? I? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, dude. But like, think about that. Some shit that I learned when I was two or three years old and you're running around singing a song. that's about fuckers dying in mass like yeah, fucking why? mass graves being dug to like nameless fucking thousands man it's horrible ashes ashes we all fall down what a yeah. fun song for children to sing i blame the hip-hop mostly <laughs> mostly you know hip-hop man no i'm a british hip-hop back then shit was lit they're talking <laughs> about fleas and shit like bathing in urine it was a it was a reflection of the reality they saw every day all right <laughs> That's all I'm saying. The fucking bards. And it was in the 1300s, by the way, to answer your previous question uh, like no. five minutes ago. Damn it. So it was yeah. like 200, right? One of the, the Renaissance 15 or 16? Maybe like 16, right? 17, I thought. Nah, dude. Nah, dude. Renaissance. Renaissance. Because the, mid- the Middle Ages was like the 14 to 1600s, right? Sure. Because it was in the middle yeah. of the age. That's what they say. Right, I mean, I get. Why are you asking me? I didn't name it. I'm not the person who's like, this is the Middle Age. I didn't. Oh, do Oh well, I guess okay. So the Renaissance was an extension of the Middle Ages, and it spans the 14th and 17th centuries. Well, there you go, man. Shit got popping in Italy. Why do you think the Italians got smart? Um, what's that? What's up with that? Because they were all uh, they were all drunk, and yeah. they all had the rich culture and history of Rome to draw from. And like in vino veritas, is the, yeah. the yeah. first asshole who said that, man. Oh, fuck him. You know, he was like the Van Wilder of ancient Italy or some shit, ancient Rome, oh, running around Wilder. drinking wine. Well, <laughs> running around <laughs> drinking wine. I hear back in the day, this is just a history podcast. This is a history plus depression podcast. Yeah. But back in the day, uh-huh. uh, they used to, you know, drink wine throughout the day. Uh, you know, work in the fields or whatever, then they'd have some some wine, then they'd take a nap in like the mid-afternoon, then they'd go back to working, then they'd have a big-ass dinner, drink more wine. So they're basically constantly drunk on wine. I don't Italy see the problem here. Back in the day. No, <laughs> well, I'm not hey, saying let me, let me fill you in on something. They're still constantly drunk in Italy every day. You know, I was there. I was there. My taxi driver literally took a drink of wine while he was driving us around fucking Rome. Oh and God. I respected it, man, because I'm like local just, laws. I assume, man, I can't. It, is it even if it's the norm? Is it even alcoholism at that point, or is no. it just uh, is it just maintenance? Yeah, that's what it is, man. Honestly, it would hurt him more to stop drinking. So yeah. it's got to yeah. keep keep that doubling down. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of years of alcoholism. That shit's already in the DNA. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, like at this point, it's like oxygen. Like if he doesn't if he doesn't drink wine, he'll die. <laughs> God, so I'm I'm a quarter Italian. I'm some percentage Irish, some percentage Scottish. So I can probably just like I probably need more alcohol, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think we should do a part two of this podcast where I go drink a lot and <laughs> you do whatever you want because I know you got to drive somewhere later. I do. But we should do a drunk podcast because uh, 
Why not? What, what what time are we at right now? I have no idea, but let's stop it. We'll just pick back up. Listen, man, I keep having these dreams that an asteroid's going to hit the earth. Oh, that's I was a real gonna thing. say nice. Cause I want to support you in your dreams, but I take it back. I'm <laughs> not this dream. This is a nightmare. <laughs> I, but the thing is, it's not a nightmare. I mean, it's played so lightly. Like, and I wonder if this is like a metaphor for my mental state. So if you want to help me unpack this, maybe we can. Right. Yeah, right. But it's like, you know, this is based off a story idea that I had where if um, you knew the end was coming, there's like a collision course, right? The, uh, the comet, the asteroid, the, whatever the fuck is coming. And it's like that Armageddon moment, right? Where you see it in the sky, like it's so big and it's approaching you that you can see it coming, right? So I really like the idea of you know your impending death. And not only do you know it, you see it, right? Yeah. How do you choose to live your last day? And I wrote a version of this story where it's weird and gets seedy and underbelly and creepy and and nightmarish as it goes on. But the fucking weird thing is the juxtaposition of this, man, is that this was a light breeze. I had like a bluebird fucking chirping next to my shoulder the whole time and it's weird because everyone else is freaking out right there's homies like with signs being like the end is here the the end is not near the end is here that's what i remember from my dream a homeless dude rocking it the end is not near the end is here right and you know there's like fucking bombs molotov cocktails going off and shit like that and and there's people marching in the streets because they think jesus is about to come back right so i'm walking through and they're just touching my fucking face man right right like this is this is my dream but it's it's so breezy it's breezy man like instead of the written version which is the one i just told you about instead of that nightmarish fucking show it's just like everyone's chill man everyone's fine everyone's Mm. cool everyone's holding hands as they go into the fucking oblivion as a whole species goes extinct what the fuck's wrong with me man what's going on uh you know maybe it's a uh uh you know like a melancholia type situation you know they see the planet coming and kirsten dunst is like she's like hey you know what this is fine this is like a walk in the park for me that's like meanwhile her sister is freaking out right like whatever and then fucking jack bowers there pretending like everything's chill but he knows not everything's not chill like he knows man when he looks through that little planet device that he makes he's like oh fuck it's closer um i love that movie and you know i didn't even realize that that's what's up because that's a planet and this is like an asteroid and i know it's like one celestial body for another but the you know that movie taps into a lot of those existential things too you know your death's coming how do you Mm -hmm. spend your last hours right uh, you know, well, everybody else is freaking out, right? So it's not like yeah. I can go to my favorite restaurant because that's probably closed no. or being looted or something sure. like that. Yeah, yeah, something so terrible. I, I, can't, I can't go to Chili's and get a Cajun chicken pasta. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what you're saying. You can't go to fucking, what's the, what's the, what's the awesome possum, the Bloomin' Onion shit? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, well, they, they actually, I think they discontinued that. How did they discontinue? Did the office not give them all the goodwill for that awesome? entree? Yeah, he's like, I want an awesome blossom, extra awesome. And it's like, you think that just Steve Carell saying that uh, would have kept it on the menu for years, but no. Forever. No, for uh, Chili's, Chili's got rid of it. I think you can get it at Outback Steakhouse, though. It's the Bloomin' Onion there. Okay, could but be wrong. so you can't, you can't go get yourself uh, an awesome blossom, right? Yeah, so so l- what do you little, do? Okay, life pro tip. What you do sans asteroid is you go to Outback Steakhouse. You just get an Outback Steakhouse to go bloomin onion you go to chilies with the bloomin onion you open it up and instead of getting appetizers you already got your appetizer you order your cajun chicken pasta Boom. Or whatever your favorite chilies dish is nailed it there, there you have a complete chilies experience okay 
Now, with the asteroid coming, <laughs> thank you. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I would probably blow up a car because I've always wanted to do that. I would hijack a helicopter because I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. And um, I would just see how much fucking fuel that thing had, and I would just just fly it off into the sunset. Yes, dude, I love and, uh, that answer. I would also pack a parachute. Yeah, well, naturally. And I would just parachute wherever, um, you know, I ran out of fuel. I would just parachute out of the helicopter and gently glide as I watched the helicopter fall down to the earth, explode. Yeah. Probably in the wilderness or whatever, but I wouldn't give a shit about the wildlife because it's all going to die soon anyway. And then I'd be finding as many forest creatures and woodland creatures I could to just fuck with. Like Not in like a psychopath way, but just like, you know, kicking them or chasing after them and going... (laughs) Yeah, you know? just ruin their day. <laughs> like, yeah, the world's ending, and they got to spend the before they're burning to death and shit. They got to deal with you chasing mm-hmm. them, stalking them. I like what you said about burning a car. Here's the thing, man. I've never burned a car, contrary to popular belief, but I have witnessed because that was that was a popular belief that a lot Everyone of us had. You know, like, we, we were all like, <laughs> yeah, Christian's a cool guy and all, but he he, I heard he burns cars. He's like, like, he doesn't you, even blow oh, him up. He just, like, burns him. Yeah. Oh, you heard he burns car? I saw it with my own two eyes. I seen it, man. <laughs> so there's, like, a debate amongst our friends. <laughs> nah, dude. Uh, there's So one time I'm hanging out with uh, – I'm with Gabby and uh, these two fucking chodes named Claudia and Corey. And we're driving around my back neighborhood. Now, you remember my old – my second house, right? Because you met me. I lived close to you. I lived, like, on Mulrennan or some shit. Then I lived on, uh, like, Dover. Right, remember off Alrico Road and shit. So remember, there was two ways to get there. You can go to Winhurst and then take a left and then get into the front end of the neighborhood, or you could take that, like by that gas station. It was a back road, mm-hmm. and you can go all the way down the back road, and it would take you in the back v- entrance of my it's neighborhood. Like Sydney Road. Yeah, bro. Fuck, you remember Sydney? Well, you live there. Never mind. Yeah. Sorry. It's, like a, it's, it's like way a less of one an minute trip for yeah, me. Way yeah. less of an achievement for you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sydney Road. So you can take Sydney Road all the way back, and you can come through the back of my neighborhood. And one day, mm-hmm. we're hanging out with these people, being cute little teenagers or whatever, and we're driving. And Gabby looks, and she's like, "Is that a car on fire?" Like she's like, "Oh my god!" And I look over, and there's a car on fire, man, right by the playground. You remember that little playground that was in the back entrance? I do. So, and I call nine one one. I'm like, "There's a car on fire," and she's like, "We know. Someone else called us." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, as long as someone is properly know. notified, someone else called us." <laughs> like this, a cartoon character? Yeah, in the dude. Phone? She was the fucking lady from the like, Ghostbusters. She tell me about it. Yeah. she was mad at me for trying to report a fucking arson right because that's what happened like i assumed maybe it was like a innocuous car fire but i put my little hand uh, binoculars up and i saw no one was in the car so what happened was someone stole this motherfucking car and then someone lit it on fire because that's what they do to destroy forensics i got into the head of a fucking (laughs) grand theft auto motherfucker today all right and uh, so 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 they're thinking like man yeah the cops get a hold of this car they're gonna take fingerprints yeah they're gonna know analysis semen analysis because this dude can't help himself like like this guy saw the born identity once a couple years ago and he's like i know how to yeah he knows how to avoid it (laughs) what's the what's the easiest answer fuck it he just lights shit on fire all the time fire cleanses all all the time dude he like he 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 does the most innocuous thing and he's like trying to like he's pouring gasoline all over the Mm -hmm. fucking place 
I don't get it, man. So this guy obviously got spooked. He fucking lit the car on fire. And it was a weird thing because we stood there and we watched it. And I don't know what the obsession is, but you see this all the time, I assume, right? Like there's a fire and there's like the bystander effect. No one mm. calls 911 because they assume the other motherfuckers already called 911, right? right. Uh, and they all sit there. And this is what happened. Like, I, but I actually did call 911. So I'm a little bit of a fucking hero in this story, right? I would say you're the hero of this story. I yeah. am the hero of this story. And fuck the cops who came after the fact. The cops wouldn't even be involved if not for me, you know? So thank you. Fucking thank you, Max. I needed that. Um, you know. Thanks, man. I, I needed that. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> right. This whiskey's making me reevaluate some things, and I'm just saying that I needed that. <laughs> so thanks. Anyway, uh, uh, it's been like so a I, decade coming. <laughs> that, that round of applause, for calling the cops. So my point is this: uh, you're talking about your last day, and I'm with you because the idea of burning a car—I didn't even light the fire, man. But I wish I had the strength. The real hero of that story is the person who stole a car and then lit it on fire. I don't really want to praise the person who created, who committed a felony, but uh, he's sort of my and, hero. And to be clear, I would want to like find and burn the the best, nicest car that I could. You like want to find the best like and a, nicest car I could get my hands a on. A Maserati where they only made order. 200 worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that one. <laughs> I just want to like tear down the road, drive into the parking lot of like an abandoned Best Buy that's like probably also on fire. <laughs> yeah, And of then I want to fucking find a way to also light that car on fire and walk away in slow motion. As it like, burns. In real time, I will yeah. be going in very slow motion. Slowly. Yeah, yeah. The world yeah. didn't stop. You're just purposely doing the slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, man. It's weird. You know what it is? It's like if I saw that kind of a car in Tampa, I would want to burn it on principle because I'm like, you have this money, but you're hanging out in Tampa. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, exactly. And I ever tell you that story of when I went to Daily Eats? You ever been to Daily Eats, that restaurant in South Tampa? It's it's legit, dude. It's so fucking good. If you get a chance, go. But the story is I went to Daily Eats once and I I was looking for parking because they have a small parking lot. And I went to a back road. And what I saw there was a fucking DeLorean, man. Like a fully functional DeLorean that was hanging out in South Tampa. Now, listen, I know that... Yeah, go ahead. Did it have a flux capacitor? Fucking A, it did, because otherwise it's not really a DeLorean, right? So the guy, whether it's real or not, it was a functioning faux uh, flux capacitor, (laughs) the old faux flux, if you will. And so uh, I saw that and I was really like taken aback. Now, listen, I realize it's not, I don't think it costs $300,000 to get a DeLorean or anything. All right. I get that it's not nearly as expensive as like a luxury car. It's expensive enough, though that I was annoyed that I wanted to steal the tires that I wanted to fucking Molotov cocktail that shit on principle because I'm like, Oh, you, you have one of these in Tampa or oh, you're hot shit in Tampa guy. Like if I see those cars here, I assume it's for a photo shoot for, or like an actual commercial is being shot by Lexus. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, the thing about Tampa is it's basically like a business park. And then there's one, there's one street, in Ybor city where everybody goes to get seventh drunk. Ave. Yeah. That's it. And, uh, and then there's a giant Scientology building and that's pretty much all we got. We've also got gotten like the, bigger since I left, right? The Scientologists have, it's an entire city block. 
like an entire complex. What do you think it is, man? Because I know they have the place in in Clearwater. That's their headquarters. Yeah. But you figured that would be enough of the greater Tampa region. I know Clearwater is about 45 minutes away, but it's still like the great, you can get to St. Pete quickly. You can get to Tampa quickly. Like it's a good centrally located place. Why are they taking over an Ebor, man? Man, I don't know. Cause they got to get their hands in that Ebor pie. Um, (laughs) They're just trying to, (laughs) I know that their big game is real estate uh, based on that going clear documentary, which we brought up a few times on this podcast. It's a brilliant fucking doc. It's a great documentary. Which one do you yes, like more? Do you like the, the, the Gibney doc or do you like the Louis Thoreau doc? Uh, probably the Gibney one. You think I it's like better? Louis Thoreau. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say though. Louis Thoreau does a good job. I like Louis little... Thoreau. I have a little bit of resentment towards him because I saw his law and disorder documentary, which was about Philadelphia. And I saw mm. that as I was moving, as I started the process of moving to Philadelphia, like I'm recording yeah. this in Brooklyn right now. Right. But soonish until you move up here i'm going to be based out of philly until we get the brooklyn gang back together and it's one of those things where i saw a documentary right and it's all about like heroin addiction and the cops and what they have to deal with on an everyday basis and they end up going to uh some guy and uh, louis thoreau is just like sitting there asking him like why'd you do that why why do you do drugs (laughs) like he's like some (laughs) bewildered fucking brit and i asked i'm like what the fuck like i hate this fucking asshole like he's a carpetbagger if i can use my own terms from the other day (laughs) coming in over the atlantic fucking asking stupid fucking questions like yeah just hopping the fence well my point is our way of life well dude he's not talking to a fucking kingpin he's talking to a corner boy and we've seen the wire like fucking corner boys make less money than the dudes at mcdonald's make money you know like that's the common misconception of the people that are in the drug game the people at the very end it's, it's exactly like capitalism in america bro the one percent the 99 percent are fucking making bullshit money to, to chase a dream to make some real money you know what i mean and it's yeah. bullshit so it, it's the same thing and i got so fucking annoyed at louis thoreau for being like oh i'm gonna fucking ask like why do you do drugs are you fucking kidding me like you fucking asshole and someone because told they me make you feel really good and then you get it exactly and here's my thing. I had a friend of mine from England tell me, like, well, what you don't realize is that there is this whole, like, Britishism. Like, the idea of being an Englishman is like, yeah, you have your addictions, but you keep that shit in the home and no one else knows about it, man. Like, <laughs> and that was a thing. And I was like, fuck, man, back when men were men. <laughs> like, yeah. you could Brits have a very fucking buttoned down. Here. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that was the point. So it was like, he's asking because, like, he doesn't get it. Yeah. He's been sheltered. Like there's that much of a cultural divide. Yeah, dude, there's him. been addiction in England, but they keep that shit in the inside. They keep it respectable, like you should. Yeah. Okay, and that's the thing I think we need to take back from the Brits is like, yo, handle that shit. Okay, get as mm. fucked up and strung out as you want behind closed doors, eh? And that's fine. <laughs> but I don't know, man. So, so, so fucked with to, to be to be clear, like the onus is on our addicts in society to clean Handle up their, your yeah. high yes not, not to clean up their their shit but just to hide it better no man because you know that like here's the truth about it right portugal got it right there is 90 percent of the population who can do heroin who can do cocaine who can do we know listen i don't I have no interest in doing cocaine i have no interest in doing heroin but you know there is 90 percent of the people who can do that and they'd be like i'm fine bro <laughs> like, i've moved on i had a night of, of of doing some rails and i feel great about that and i'm done with the rail life you know what i mean and that's cool there's only 10 percent who end up fucking up it's the same thing with alcohol right like most people can have a beer without having 10 more beers 
And it's the idea of like legalizing that shit and like letting people do whatever the fuck they're going to do. I, don't I know, got man. really I think, annoyed. I Go think Elliot Ness was right. You know, taxation, like get them on tax fraud. We can't uh, get them for the other shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, just keep taxing Budweiser until they stop being a thing. Ban all alcohol. They're Germans now anyway. Budweiser is a German company now. They sold off, bro. So it's like, I feel like Budweiser is magical at this point. Like, yeah, they got the beer company, but really they're making meth all throughout the Southwest. You know what I mean? I heard that the the um, the mythology around Elliot Ness, like the you've seen the movie uh, The Untouchables, of right? course, yeah. Ennio you know, Morricone, great score. Yeah. It's a great score. It's a great you know like tough guy movie. You know the whole uh, Sean Connery line about like, oh, he pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends yeah. one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's how you beat Capone. Um, <laughs> It's that's great. not real. That's none of that's real. Yeah, that's none of it's real. I, I watched this guy like from Chicago talking about the real Elliot Ness, like he was a historian, and he was like, "Yeah, Elliot Ness was like kind of like a bookworm, like pussy that no one liked." Um, maybe got the pussy job is done. too strong a word. Got the job uh, done, man. He was really good at paperwork, and he never got his hands dirty. But then in the Untouchables, you got Kevin Costner like throwing people off of roofs and fucking like doing raids and shit. And going, Makes for a better movie. Yeah. Makes for a better his, movie. His family because the more honest shit. film is just 45 minutes of him trying to find that certain document that he needs to fill out. And he's like, I already checked the fucking filing holder. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it is. Did you check <laughs> just, the cabinet? Yes, I checked the cabinet, man. Fuck. <laughs> like, that's, that's a different movie. <laughs> I would watch that movie. That's basically what Spotlight was. And that was enthralling, man. That's true. Like, there's something to be said about the most engaging part of Spotlight, dude, mm-hmm. is a Excel spreadsheet scene. Like, yeah. that is the most thrilling part of that film, man. Do you, do you remember the action scene in that movie where a guy finds out that a pedophile lives in his neighborhood and then he runs to the <laughs> he guy's runs house, to house and then the scene ends? Yeah, man. And you're enthralled. It's shot like fucking uh, Liam Neeson jumping a fence and taking three. You're like, what the fuck? No, it's not. It actually has some goddamn respect strain you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. it's, uh, you know it's maybe fun. i'm just boring though i just realized this about myself i really love movies about newspapers yeah like and the post them and you watch the post in, yet i haven't seen the post oh, yet i i God. saw i almost saw 50 shades uh darker <laughs> you instead, explained this on a pod or 50 shades freed <laughs> we've already talked about it max you're retreading yeah, well, you know I'm, I'm i'm bringing it back i just want to be clear i could have seen the post i almost saw the post but yeah. instead I got a ticket for a movie that I didn't even end up seeing. Um, Long story short, I like movies about newspapers. All the President's Men, Zodiac. That one's fucking wonderful. Uh, I referenced that the other day, and this is one of those things where, like, Dolores is so much more infinitely brilliant than I am when it comes to literature. Mm -hmm. You know, like, she went to school for it. Like, she should be. she was going to be a library lady. She was going to be a library lady. And, you know, and she really, I called her a Larry. Yeah, I realized that. A library Larry. <laughs> Coming this fall to CBS, a library Larry. Some guy like crossing his arms, <laughs> library Larry. Tuesdays on Fox. Oh, Christ, dude. Immediately okay, gets canceled. I need us to say fuck He's all like of a, what we were talking about and just flesh out it's, library it's like it's like a house but it's like a sarcastic light head librarian yeah library so students are coming in so the stakes are way lower but we need to shoot it as if yeah. it's still as hot like life or death there's a patient yeah. he's having a seizure right now they come in students running like i need to know about this and he's just a smug fucking asshole yeah. sitting there like i bet you do let me cross yeah. my fucking arms for a minute you know or, what I mean? or, or like some someone's like fucking up the dewey decimal system 
And he's just like, you would want to categor- ca- <laughs> categorize it in 31.2, but uh, really it should go in 318.3, don't you think? This is the highest stakes drama there is, by the way. <laughs> Library Larry. Dun, 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 dun. Dude, I love Library Larry. I think there's infinite possibilities. Think about the amount of things that go down in a library, all right? Um <laughs> Like fucking checkouts, yeah. returns, and he would have like really like blunt, controversial literary opinions that wouldn't resonate with the comic <laughs> viewing audience at all. Like Emerson's overrated, yeah. And then he crosses his arms. Yeah, man, Yates more like rapes your sensibilities. <laughs> Fuck Yates. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, again, it would be. Uh, it wouldn't even be greenlit. I don't. I don't know why I'm saying it would be canceled. Um, <laughs> that that would be a terrible show. Well, I can't even pretend Larry. that that's a good idea. Library, Larry. You know, <laughs> come on, dude. But, but like to you hear that out loud, and you're like, yeah, yeah that's six seasons, man. That's yeah, it's seasons. it sounds way more whimsical than it really would be. Um, to get back to your point, uh, yeah. y- you're you're almost married to a library, Larry yourself, I am. And, and she's right. this literary uh, master. Yeah, she is. But but when I said all the president's men, she's like, don't you mean all the king's men? <laughs> Robert Warren Penn. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, actually, wow. bitch. <laughs> no, I didn't Wow. I thought you were going to turn this into that. that <laughs> I, I thought you were going to turn this into that Key and Peele sketch uh, where they're like, and I said. I said, I said. But you just said it. <laughs> no, no, I don't give a fuck, dude. Because she was trying to like one up me. Being like, oh, you're so stupid, Christian. You said all the presidents when it's all the kings. You know, that that is like the biggest pet peeve uh, for me. Or yeah. like kind, kind of the best feeling in the world, though, to like tamp it down is when somebody's like, you say actually. something that's that's true. And someone's like, actually. Yeah. And then you're like, no, actually, no. Uh, you're fucking you're wrong. <laughs> actually you're a cunt and then you just assault them with a you know a bunch of verbal jabs and uh watch them just sink into their chair and shut up and die (laughs) sorry i don't know why i went there but they need to die after they melt they need to just like you ever see interview with a vampire when kirsten dunce gets the sun on her just immediately shrivel up yeah nothing into a what was the cause of death being wrong being really wrong (laughs) The corner's like fair. He writes being being wrong. <laughs> a little fly. Wrongness is killing more Americans today than any other disease. Beware of wrongness sweeping <laughs> across most metropolitan areas. Don't be wrong, bro. Like, don't make a statement. Don't be declarative at all. Because maybe that's why uh, dumb people love Donald Trump so much. Because he's entered us into a new era of post facts, so they know, can't ever be wrong. We've attacked um, Donald Trump a lot, but we've always made sure to like pull up because we don't want to uh, alienate people. But I just realized, being on some liquid courage, is I want to alienate everybody. Starting with these Do motherfuckers, it. though, Do okay? It. These mouth-breathing fucking cocksuckers, these fucking idiots, dude. Now, here's the thing. There's there's a division in the Trump voter. I would wager that 90% of the Trump voter is the fucking idiot, the mouth-breather, the fucking cunt, okay? But then I also think the 10% are these, like, working middle-class people who feel neglected, okay? And, and specifically in the flyover states because the Democrats call them flyover states, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, they voted for Trump, but I want them to feel worse, because they knew better in their hearts. They had to know better. Okay. These fucking college educated assholes who voted for Donald Trump. Fuck man. Did you get that degree from Trump university? Because how fucking worthless is it? 
you fucking assholes. I'm sorry. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. This got dark, man. This this guy's the worst, man. He's the worst. He's not great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know. (laughs) He's not great, but... Let's be real. Martin Van Buren was kind of a piece of shit, okay? Like, he was tacky as fuck. He had those sideburns. No one gave a shit. I have long maintained that we should all just find an island, buy it for cheap, and move there and start our own government. That government being do whatever you want and leave me the fuck alone. Right. So you want to be like a libertarian, but like not bullshit and hypocritical is what yeah. you mean? You know, libertarians, man. Why They're is it the worst. Li- why is They're it the bisexuals every- of fucking political parties, man. That's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> You're fucking greedy. Pick a side. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what? The, I think that the whole libertarian thing that bothers me the most, since we're alienating people, and I'm going to be real for a second. And number one, every pretty much every libertarian, hardcore libertarian I've ever met, is white male 20 to 30 something and grew up uh in the suburbs yeah so that's number one so so you're coming from a very specific point of view um number two i feel like you know like you were saying you know they're the bisexuals on the political spectrum pick a side um (laughs) i agree (laughs) that's why it's the most egregious thing like oh i agree with the right and the left no you don't you fucking coward (laughs) i I think that yeah i think that the whole thing about being libertarian is that you are never wrong and you're never responsible for anything because you didn't vote for the guy that's actually in power yeah exactly right because you're like you have plausible deniability you're viola davis and the suicide squad it's a great way to like just shrug your shoulders and cross your arms and be like wouldn't me one yeah. fault. I Fuck saw it coming, guys. but uh, assholes. hey, you should have voted uh, for Gary Johnson. So they're not bisexuals. They're the hipsters. They're the hipsters of the fucking political spectrum. They're just like, yeah, yeah well, you know, you've never heard of it. They're, they're, they're a bunch of smug dinks who are ruining <laughs> this country. Smug dinks. That's the name of my other band. So you got different Douglas and smug dinks. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's, what kind of music is smug dinks? Uh, industrial um, metal. So you go like nine inch nails ish. What is yeah. different? What's different? Uh, but but with saxophones. Oh well, naturally, like a fucking Kenny G or like that one guy who does that. Uh, you know that song? <laughs> oh no, it's it's straight smooth jazz mixed oh, with nice. terrifying industrial metal. That's my favorite, dude. Listen, I've long wanted to start a fucking power metal jazz fusion band called Werewolf Pizza Pie, but Wolf is spelled W O L P H, and then Pizza is P I, like pie, like the infinite number of pie. Why can't we do it, dude? Why not you and I? Well, uh, the the main the main barrier there for me is that I have no musical talent. Um, but aside from yeah, that, I'm that's totally a pretty big down. hurdle. That's a that's a big <laughs> speed bump. Like initially, you know? I think that's what they call in the industry a non-starter, Max. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, you know there are plenty of people in the music industry that don't have musical talent. And <laughs> like look the at majority, them go. The majority of them, sadly. Oh, the majority. Yeah. Oh man. You ever hear Britney Spears at um like where they like will whittle down just her vocal track and strip away everything else? of her singing actually singing live no and it's just bad terrifyingly bad man it's like how did she ever get as far as she did yeah no i heard um 
you know, because I really like Paul McCartney, even his solo shit, right? Well, the, the the initial the initial solo shit, right? So he has McCartney one, which is great. Ram, which is really great. Then he starts doing the Wing albums, right? So I love Band on the Run, and I like Venus on Venus and Mars. Everything else is shit. Until 1980, he comes back with uh, McCartney two. I'm telling you all of this to tell you that, as you know, he was fucking in love with Linda McCartney, right? Say what you want about Macca as a human being. He loved his wife, and that's mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. He loved a woman who had no musical talent, but he refused to leave her at home on tours. So he taught her yeah. three chords on the piano and told her to sing. And then they would just bury her down in the mix. I have heard Linda McCartney sing like they isolated her vocals and Oh my God, man. Like, I don't care how good. No, no, I don't, I don't care how good, like, you know, that song, because by the Beatles that they yeah. all heard them harmonize and it's incredible. Like mm-hmm. you can have all four of them at the best of their ability and you throw mm-hmm. fucking linda mccartney in there and it will come to a screeching halt and it makes you realize that band on the run is secretly better than any beatles record because the engineering has hidden linda mccartney's vocals so well <laughs> that the rest of the album still sounds okay you know what i mean like it's a fucking masterpiece dude it's but just I a masterpiece thinking, of like uh fucking post-production and sound oh my god yeah we'll fix it in post <laughs> like the ultimate wow. example of we'll fix it in post <laughs> but i thought it was nice it was a re- it was a redeeming quality because like think about how many people like you know they go to work to be away from their wives like i think that's a really sad thing man you know let's bring it sad for a second people who like would rather hate their wives than just have a divorce. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, I really fucking hate my wife, but damn, divorce, divorce, it's such a hassle. <laughs> gotta get a lawyer. Oh, it takes years. I gotta I give got a freaking half. kids who will be psychologically damaged by it and shit. So instead, what I'll do is I'll spend my last remaining years of youth and middle age fucking cheating, philandering, fucking my kids up in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it just makes no sense to me, dude. It's one of those things. And I look at Macca and I'm like, you're an inspiration. You loved your wife so much that you didn't want to go on tour without her. And that's beautiful. Unless... She was a fucking prisoner, man. <laughs> Unless she's like, go on tour, Paul. And he's like, I, no. <laughs> I've seen interviews with her talking about it and how she was really uncomfortable with it the entire time. Being but, on know. tour? Really? Yeah. Well, oh, performing shit. performing live. Wow. This but changes felt, the game. She felt kind of pressured to do it. Oh, you know, my God, she didn't wanna, dude. You know, because you see Paul McCartney and he's an, an emotionally manipulative. Linda McCartney person. is the fucking mother of me too, man. She's like me first. Like, she's... <laughs> So not she, okay. She couldn't, she couldn't look into those big baleful McCartney eyes and be like, uh, hey Paul, I don't like doing the thing that you love the most. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to be a part of that. She couldn't do it. I, and that's my point, right? People the the assholes who hate their wives don't want to have an uncomfortable conversation. Linda had to live in a personal hell. Linda got the cancer because she had to tour with McCartney. Okay. That's yeah, the she got that fact. cancer and she was like, thank you. God, fucking a God, you do fucking exist. <laughs> gave me an out. I've been looking for the exit since day one. Mac is a weird guy, though, isn't he? Because like you know, he had the wife that he loved, and then he married that one-legged lady. And I know that's fucked up. She's got a name, but I don't care. She's a one-legged lady, and she took him for half of his estate. So she's a smart one-legged lady. She had to buy another leg. That costs money. No, she's still rocking the one leg. She's like, this is me now. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that. <laughs> like. This is me now. 
Like she's a deformed oh, witch or something. Yeah, man. This is me now. Accept me. And we have to, I mean, man. It can't be easy being, you know, a spouse of a beetle. I can't imagine. You never hear this shit from beetle. Ringo's wife. Ringo's wife is silent as a fucking mouse, man. <laughs> maybe he married a mute. Or maybe, maybe Ringo is just a pleasant dude. Yeah, I think he's a sweetheart. If I had to bet on the Beatles, I would say the nicest level goes Ringo, but not because he's really a nice person, but just because he's so simple that that's all there is. You ever see Derek by Ricky Gervais? Ringo no. is Derek. No, I didn't. Oh, he's a he's a he's a guy who's got a handicap. He's mentally handicapped, but he's so kind and he's so sweet, and that's all that matters, right? Because it costs nothing, and you don't have to be smart to be kind. And that's Ringo. And then the only genuinely nice one is George Harrison. Like he chooses to be nice, but he still jumps into shade. What do you got? Oh, I was just going to say that they recently did a study that the gene like that separates dogs from wolves is like what they've dubbed a kindness gene. Uh-huh. It's like, because that's, that's basically how we got the dogs that we have today. Aside yeah, from yeah. like all the crossbreeding is we would breed the nice dogs or the dogs that displayed less aggressive traits with other dogs that displayed less aggressive traits. They yeah. found that same gene in people and they found that those people tend to be very nice and very dumb. <laughs> so what you just said holds That's up. So it holds up, up in, in so the cortisol. It's like you are spine you're a jellyfish, but you are just so agreeable and you are yeah. wonderful to be around. Mm-hmm. That makes but me the, sad, man. You know, the, the smarter ones among us were, were the wolves, you know. And so John and Paul are the wolves. And George could be wolfish, but by and large was still a sweetheart, you know. Yeah, I mean, based on this uh, book, I read this book by Bob Spitz, which I've also talked about on this podcast called um, The Beatles. Yeah, I want to read that. I haven't read it's it. Really, it's really good. Uh, but it gives you a picture of, like, basically, here's Ringo, top-tier human, really nice guy. Um, was the first one of them to smoke weed with Bob Dylan. Uh, Ringo was yeah. What? Oh my god! Because they they meet Bob Dylan. They meet Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan's like, "Hey, you want to smoke something a little greener?" And uh, (laughs) or something like that. And and, uh, they're all standing around, looking at each other, all nervous and stuff. And Ringo's like, "Yeah, I'll give it a try." And uh, fucking smokes up with uh, Bob Dylan, and he was the one that paved the way for the Beatles to get all trippy. Nobody gives him the credit for it seriously man like bob dylan innovator fucking amazing poet nobel prize winner fucking incredible talent bob zimmerman that he is right responsible for maybe the greatest british ex fucking maybe i think the greatest british export ever you know what i mean outside of slavery or some shit like i don't know like (laughs) i love that we just keep giving people credit uh for things that they were not directly responsible for no, but in um, a way, man. Listen, but in a way, you know, yes. You, you and I both know there's two Beatles. There is the early Everly Brothers covering 50s rock Beatles, and then there is everything 66 and on. Yeah. And that is the difference, bro. Like in the early days, they were doing a bunch of amphetamines, and they all had STDs. Yeah. And then in the later days, they were doing a bunch of psychedelics and all had STDs. But the point is, they were doing different drugs and made different music. Have and you ever done you any? Oh, a lot of that to Bob Dylan. Have you done any amphetamines ever? Yeah. Have you? Like what? Vivance? You did Vivance. Okay. That's my point. I would say that it's not even uh, close. Like, I think what psychedelics do for your emotional state, for your creativity, as opposed to what Vivance and, and like other amphetamines will do for you. I'm not saying it's not like, it's it's one of those things where like, oh, you want to just sit down and be really like fucking focused on whatever you're doing. Like, that's the shit. Probably. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about it. It's about focusing. As, Have it's you not ever about- done amphetamines? 
Yeah, not nearly as much as I've done psychedelics in the past. You know what I mean? But my point is that psychedelics definitely tap into a creative part of your brain. I mean, do you find that like amphetamines tap into a creative part or do they make you appreciate things more because your focus is being able to hear it a little bit better? I think that what amphetamines do, or at least what they trick your brain into doing, there's actually a really great documentary on Netflix called uh, Take Your Pills, um, which I recommend you watching. It's basically about like amphetamine abuse in America, like people uh-huh. taking Adderall or Vyvanse. People yeah, don't yeah. necessarily. I was on it. Adderall for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I was, so you I, I had a prescription ex- for it. Yeah. Okay. You have prescription. Um, yeah. See, like people who don't have a prescription but take it uh, probably have a different experience with it than you did if you were prescribed it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Um, but I found that like, at least it gives you the illusion that you are able to access more of your potential in terms of verbal fluidity, like accessing thoughts quicker or putting things together more quickly. Yeah. Whereas when you're just a regular person, you know, just being sober or whatever. Yeah. I will say sort of a sluggishness and like, you're not as quick well, to beyond that. To things. Let's juxtapose it with, uh, with fucking psychedelics, which is my experience is having a billion thoughts per minute and making mm-hmm. sense within my own head, but yeah. not being able to get that shit out articulately. Right. <laughs> like that's the fucking problem is you're cursed with genius when you're on psychedelics, but you cannot possibly articulate it to anyone who matters. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, th- yeah. uh, th- then you start to wonder, uh, was I ever really having these genius thoughts or was it just like a big old brain scramble that I was convinced was important? <laughs> There's like one time I put food coloring <laughs> in milk. Do you remember this for Johnny? <laughs> and Johnny watched that shit for 45 minutes, convinced that like the secrets of the universe were in this milk and food dye, man. And maybe that's the problem is that psychedelics show you the importance of every single thing, whether there's any importance in it or not. And maybe, uh, you know, I would say with Adderall, like, you know, when I was on it, I was on it for a few months and I was prescribed it. Like a doctor told me I needed it. I, I stopped doing it. I, I wasn't able to access anything. It didn't make me any more disciplined. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that, that's kind of my beef with it. But also Adderall's like sort of a knock. Yeah, that's my beef with it. I'm beefing actively. <laughs> you got beef. <laughs> There's an East Coast, West Coast vibe to my fucking beef right now with Adderall and amphetamines. Yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, mm. drugs are interesting in general. Like I hate to be that guy, you know? Like I'm not some heavy drug user, but I do think that, you know, like a lot of art that we love is definitely tinged with, with drugs, dude. Like music, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I think yeah. music is like one thing, but also there's like writers, writers who were like, I did like six lines of Coke, wrote a paragraph that six more lines and I should be fine. You know what I mean? Like they just kept well, going with it. I think that's the thing. We're, we're highly influenced by the influence of drugs. I, I think it's, I, I think it's very, culture. yeah, I, I think it really depends if you're talking about like creativity in general, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it really depends on the person not to keep going back to Carlin. Cause I'm not like the world's biggest Carlin guy. I, I am though. I think he's fucking great. Yes. Well, he, he had this interview with the young John Stewart before John Stewart was daily show. John Stewart talks about know. smoking weed punch up time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's talking about like how he doesn't smoke weed and then write. Yeah. He'll, he'll write sober and like sit it down or whatever and then come back and like pick up that joint he only smokes like one joint or takes because that's all it takes now yeah it's once a month yep that's all it takes and now it's punch-up time but he he's not like blitzed out of his mind trying to write jokes he's you know focused and serious and sober so well i think it's an interesting thing man and the over the over lying theme here is the human brain and how the human brain is this weird thing that when poked and prodded in certain ways can act differently. And that's really interesting to me, man, just the way that people create 
and the way these things happen. Because obviously without any fucking drugs, everybody thinks of creative things. Like whether it's like, oh, they have a marketing job and they have to think of something or whether you're a manager and you have to think of a way to incentivize something, right? So there's all Mm -hmm. these different versions of creativity. But when it comes time to actually doing it, there's something about, you know, creatives who make art that you put into the world as opposed to creatives who make uh team strategies and make banners and shit right like there's no less creativity is what i'm saying i think the brain is still working it's just like these people are doing it in a different way and you're just focusing that energy in a different direction yeah yeah man is that weird or is this a pro drug stance like i don't know where i'm blinding on this because you know, cocaine, I'm not a fan of, but Miles Davis plays the fuck out of that trumpet, man. <laughs> like, mm. you know, uh, her- uh, it's, uh, what's his face? Coltrane loves heroin and he plays the fucking uh, the sax really well. So who am I to judge? Well, I don't know as, as though it's really the drugs. Maybe the drugs open up the door or they alter your your focus or shift your view a little bit. Like the way uh, I've always looked at drugs in, in terms of looking at them in a positive way is when you're sober, uh, the entire time that you're sober, you're seeing life at one angle, yeah. right? You're, you're seeing it through one lens. And then if you do a substance, whatever it is, it shifts that angle a little bit. Now, suddenly you're seeing things just a little bit differently. And that's that's an interesting thing for me. But I think that people also become reliant on on that when they could really access those different angles on their own. Uh, I think that a lot of creative types get attached as people do to uh, ritual like Christopher yeah. Hitchens. And I'm not a Christopher Hitchens fan. Like he was a dick, but he said some smart things. Um, he died of cancer. Uh, I think like horrific cancer um, because he was this, uh, as opposed from friendly. Cancer. Yeah. He was this writer, intellectual, whatever, who would drink constantly and smoke constantly. And somebody asked him on his deathbed, he had no hair or anything. They asked him like, if you would have known that all of this drinking and smoking would have led to this right here, you dying at the age of 50, would you still have done it? And he said, yeah, because that led to some of my best work. Yeah. So is that sad? Why, why would I deprive myself of that? But is that a part of you? That's like, you know, that, seem that sucks with you? like, well, my point is this man is like, we're, I'm 28. Fuck. I'm 28. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's one of those weird things where, I guess I'm still young. I'm under 30. And I guess when I'm 30, I'll start saying, well, you know, 30 is the new 20 and I'll keep mm-hmm. justifying it. But and it's one of those 40, things. 40, you'll be like, hey, you know what? I'm old. Yeah. 